Today on Physically Spiritual, I'm going to expose three lies. When we uncover the truth these lies distort, we'll understand three essentials to growth and healing. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I have been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Before we get started today, I just wanted to address the current state of the world. Uh, we're in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Um, as you notice, my hair has grown plenty long as the salons have been closed. I just hope uh, you all have been healthy and safe uh, throughout this time. Um, I also just wanted to note that we uh, took some uh, time off from recording um, as this uh, pandemic was going on just to stay safe and socially distance. And we're actually now using uh, a new piece of recording equipment. So we're recording kind of live. And as we do that, I'm going to make some mistakes. Um, so expect those. Uh, we're just going to recover. We're going to make sure it's natural and fun and, and light. So uh, stick with me and know it's going to be a little different. But on the, the other side, what's going to be great is we're going to be able to do weekly releases now. So you can expect uh, every week, once a week, you'll be getting new episodes from all your favorite shows here at Awaken Catholic. So where have we been? On my first three episodes of Physically Spiritual, we talked about three foundational ideas. And really what these three ideas have done have calibrated our mind and our hearts to a Catholic worldview. We've talked about the body and the soul. We've talked about faith and reason. And we've talk, talked about creation and evolution. So now as we go into other topics, I want you to hold on to these three ideas and understand that everything we talk about has to be undergirded by this worldview. We have to, to hold in mind that we are a person who's a body and soul uh, that's one thing intimately joined together. We also have to see that there's no contradiction between faith and reason, that we use what we discover from science and what we discover in Revelation uh, as we grow closer to the Lord. And also that when we are discovering the natural world, that we can understand that there's a, a process of evolution that's taken place. And this doesn't contradict our faith, nor does it contradict the idea that God's the creator. So we're going to make a turn now and talk about a little bit more practical questions. Today, like I said, we're going to be talking about these three lies. And from these, we're going to get three essentials to growth, uh, three mindsets that we can hold along with this Catholic worldview we've established. And then from here, we're going to go and talk about healing and growth. Um, so that's what we have in store. Our first lie is I need to make myself feel bad to get better. Uh, I know in, in my life when I've struggled with something, I've fallen into this mistake. I think something like if, if I could just force myself to stop doing this, uh, then I could finally be free. Right? And in order to force myself, I'm just going to make myself feel awful. I'm going to beat myself up. I'm going to uh, say things to myself that I'd probably never say to anyone else. Um, but the logic is really faulty. I believe that reality is the best teacher. We don't have to impose good feelings or bad feelings. We just need to be present to things as they are. We need to feel the emotions that are actually there, be present to the passions that are inside of us. Um, in reality is our best teacher. A lot of contemporary self-help gurus and, and uh, 
personal influencers and, and different people in our culture are big proponents of curiosity. And, and I think the idea is great. This idea is that when we engage ourselves with curiosity, we sort of inoculate ourselves against this kind of condemnation. We're, we're open to possibilities of why we're doing what we're doing and open to possibilities of solutions to what we're doing. It, it's sort of a non-judgmental self-awareness. Um, and, and like I said, it helps us remain open to new possibilities and come to discover things that maybe we wouldn't have thought of before. But I know when I hear that term curiosity coming from someone who has an education in philosophy and theology, it never quite sits with me right. Uh, classically, curiosity was actually considered a vice. When you uh, read, especially the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, curiosity is an excess of the virtue of studiousness. Studiousness is just having an ordered approach to studying something that's important, something that's meaningful in your life, something that you should be studying. Uh, but when uh, studiousness gets disordered, he used the term curiosity uh, for that disorder. So this is important. When I, when I say that, I don't think that modern psychologists, modern self-help gurus are, are using the term in the same way. I think uh, when St. Thomas Aquinas is talking about curiosity, he's meaning something different. But I also think that by exploring what St. Thomas Aquinas thought uh, could distort studiousness, it could help us avoid some pitfalls when we're being curious about our lives. So let's look at those. The first way he talked about uh, studiousness becoming curiosity is that your motivation is wrong. He gives the example of pride. Right? We could just be learning about ourselves um, for the, the sake of maybe an unhealthy self-reliance. Right? I don't want to need anyone else. Or maybe I just want to look smart. Right? I'm going to study this. I'm going to learn about myself. So then when I, I talk to other people about it, I can just sound really intelligent and look really good. Right? So, so the first thing that can distort studiousness is this wrong motivation. We might also uh, study ourselves excessively. So studiousness can become curiosity when it becomes immoderate, when, when it takes over our life, when it causes us to neglect our other duties. Um, if we apply this to sort of a self-help mindset or a growth mindset, it would be like we spend all of our time just thinking about ourselves, not realizing that, that maybe our quest to become a better person is actually stopping us from, from recognizing that we just need to reach out to other people. We need to care about others, and that might help us grow more in the first place. Um, so we might make studiousness into curiosity by letting it become excessive or immoderate. We also might focus too much on passing things or lose sight of, of God. So in this curiosity, um, it's easy to forget that God's in the picture, forget that God's involved in our life, that God has a design and a plan for our life. So if we're studying our life without God in the picture, this is also uh, distorting the studiousness. And we could also study something that's above our capacity. Now, I'm not saying don't challenge yourself because I think this is important. But when we're learning something new, we have to start with the basics and build. Um, so if we just jump into, let's say, an advanced text about astrophysics, but we don't know the basics of physics or astronomy, uh, how, how the terminology is used, then that text can actually lead us to misunderstand the universe, right? Because we don't know the particular ways the vocabulary is being used. And uh, we uh, could really easily misunderstand the point the author is trying to make. And this is especially dangerous when we're then trying to teach other people right? Because then we could spread this misunderstanding. So when we're learning about a topic, we should start with the basics and then build our knowledge of that topic. 
So these are a few different ways that studiousness can become this vice of curiosity. Um, I think a great term we could use that both holds all the positive meaning that people in contemporary culture use for curiosity and also keeps in mind uh, these distortions that we can experience in what was classically considered a vice of curiosity is the word wonder. We can hold ourselves with the sense of wonder. I think wonder uh, has an openness to possibility, an openness to the divine. It, um, in a sense, we can think of wonder as an ordered and healthy self-curiosity. So we can wonder about why we do what we do, right? What are the different uh, causes that push us into the behavior we want to change? But we can also wonder about possibilities of growth, how we can change, what we could do to get better. Um, so we need to apply wonder both to the why, why we do it, and the how, how to grow out of it. Wonder also, I think, just uh, puts us in a place of uh, open-mindedness. Right? We're not closed to the mystery of nature. Uh, when we approach a topic scientifically or, or um, objectively, a lot of times we want to reduce it to a simple explanation. So when we're, we're approaching God's creation, we want to stay open to the broad range of possibilities that we're never going to completely exhaust anything, that we can always learn more about everything. And wonder keeps our mind open to this endless possibility. Uh, and we're one of those endless possibilities too. I'm a mystery even to myself, um, so I need to always hold myself with that kind of wonder, that gentle, ordered self-curiosity. All right, the second lie that I know I've told myself is that I just need to try harder. If I could just rally my will and push, I could finally stop doing this, right? The problem is that I'm not trying hard enough. But the reality is to grow we need grace. I'm not, uh, I'm not isolated. I'm not self-sufficient. I always need God. And um, grace does not destroy our nature, but it perfects it. This is a phrase that uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uses and other classic thinkers too. Grace does not destroy nature, but it perfects it. Right. So when, when God comes and gets involved in our life, it's not that, that God completely changes everything but God perfects what's already there, right? So this means that you might not even notice God's involvement if you're not looking for it. There's a, a grace that affects us, and then there's a grace that God gives us to affect other people. Those are just kind of two broad categories of grace. Uh, grace is God's favor. It's God giving his divine life to us. It's God giving us the strength to be what we're called to be. Um, so the type of this grace that God gives us to change us, we could break into two categories. The first of these categories is uh, gratia elevans, or elevating grace. This is grace that, that takes us beyond what our natural capacity could be. This is the grace that gives us faith, hope, and love, that if we were to like pray over someone and work a miracle, it's this grace that, that that's at work through our hands. It's this grace that takes us beyond our natural capacity. But then there's also gratia sanans. This is healing grace. This is medical grace. This is grace that uh, restores our nature to God's original design. It's the grace that perfects the nature in us. So this means as God's involved in our life, the growth that we experience isn't just God imposing grace on us uh, to sort of aggressively and violently transform us um, 
into something completely different. No, God comes to us gently and also in a way that we might not even notice coming alongside our will to transform us through a natural process of growth and a natural process of healing. Here's a, a quote from uh, Pope Benedict XVI in his a beautiful book on Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, Healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. Let me say that again. Healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level. That's a, an amazing quote. Um, the healing is the entire content of our redemption. Right? This process of being redeemed, of being formed in God's image and likeness, of receiving grace, of growing in faith, hope, and love, of growing in virtue, this is a healing process. Right? God is perfecting our nature. He's undoing what's broken in us slowly. So you might pray for God to change you, right? Like, Lord, take this bad habit away, or Lord, help me to overcome this. And then the next day you fall into it again. Well, does that mean that God abandoned you, that God didn't answer your prayer? Well, it, it might mean that God didn't give you that gratia elevans, right? God didn't give you that grace that took you beyond your natural capacity. But it, that doesn't mean that God's not there. Remember, God comes alongside our wills with this kind of healing grace, with this medical grace. And that means that it works in us through a process of God um, initiating maybe an insight or giving us uh, an inspiration to talk to someone new or maybe go to a doctor or a counselor to read a book. And then as we grow in knowledge, then that unlocks for us a new possibility. And God might then come alongside our will and give us the strength to do what we've learned. Um, and, and then through that, then we're in a new place and God might move us to a new place uh, to talk to someone else or read the next book or to uh, join a support group or something like that. So this healing grace comes alongside our life in a very subtle way like that. Like I said, if we're not looking for it, we might miss it. But just because God doesn't answer your prayer in the way you expect, it doesn't mean he's abandoned you. It means he wants you to come alongside him with this process of healing. Um, or maybe you're putting up a barrier in the way from him working. But, but the Lord is going to answer your prayers, maybe just not in the way you expect. This quote that I shared with you, that healing is the entire content of our redemption when understood at a sufficiently deep level, this is really going to be the guide for our next three sessions. We're going to talk about what healing is. We're going to talk about God's original design. To understand his design is to know um, where we're headed. And then finally, we're also going to talk about the brokenness, the sin, the wounds. Um, so these next three sessions after this one, we're going to dive deep into this quote uh, because like he said, we need to understand it at a sufficiently deep level to really understand what this means. All right, our third lie is I don't have enough time. Who hasn't thought this? Um, when thinking about uh, your vocation, maybe you're a priest or maybe you're married, maybe you're religious, maybe you're still discerning your vocation or you find yourself single and, and doing some work for the Lord. Um, and no matter what your state of life is, we're all busy Right? We, we have jobs, we have families, we have commitments, we have hobbies. And all these different things, it's not like every day we just have spare time. 
We just have time when there's nothing to do and when I don't feel like there's anything I have to get done. No, we're, we're all busy. And, and this lie, I think, is the hardest to overcome because there's a lot of truth in it. We don't have enough time to do everything. Our time is limited. It might be our most limited resource. But I think if we approach this healing process, if we approach this growth process um, with wonder, like I said, understanding that God's coming alongside our will, and with applying a few key principles, uh, we can discover that the thing that really isn't limiting us is our time. It's our attention and our energy. How much do we get out of the time we have? The first thing I like to apply is an idea called the Pareto Principle. This Pareto Principle is sometimes called the 80-20 rule. I think the name comes from an Italian man who recognized that 80% of the property in Italy was owned by 20% of the population. And this principle has been applied across a lot of different disciplines. Uh, just noticing that like 80% of the sales come from 20% of the customers or 20% of the, the collections and volunteer work at a church. Uh, 80% of the collections and volunteer work at a church come from 20% of the members of that church. Um, but I think this is true of our time too. I think 80% of our growth, 80% of, of what's changing us might come from 20% of our behaviors, right? Meaning this doesn't have to consume our life. If we're strategic about how we approach our growth, how we approach our healing, then we can implement a few key beha new behaviors in our life to grow. And we can also change a lot of what we're also doing to grow and heal. So I think if, if we're if we're strategic about our approach, um, then we can accomplish the goals that we want without having to become a monk or spend 20 hours a day in the chapel or um, abandon our families in our quest for enlightenment or something like that. So we need to focus on changing things that we're already doing. I mean, there's things in our life that we're already spending time on that if we change them, we could get great results out of. Like, for example, we're all sleeping, right? But we could sleep better. We're all eating, but we could eat better. We're all hopefully maybe having some kind of movement or exercise in our life. Maybe that's one we have to add. But we might be able to do that more efficiently, right? How can I sort of approach these behaviors with a minimum effective dose mindset, right? What's the least I could do that's still effective, right? That's going to move me in the right direction, but then on the other hand, it's, it, I'm not going to have to like go to the gym for five hours to get in shape, right? How could I spend 10 or 20 minutes at home and then get the results I want? Maybe not uh, end up looking like a model on the front of a magazine or something like that, but how can I get 80% of the way there, right? How can I get most of the way there? When we're growing, it's also not just a net expense. Right? When we take this kind of growth mindset, this wonder towards our life where we're seeking healing, it's not like I'm just continually spending more and more and more time um, trying to get better, trying to grow, trying to heal, and not getting anything on the other side. Because what's happening as I'm growing is I'm becoming more and more and more the person I'm called to be, the person I'm designed to be. And so I'm actually becoming more productive in every area of my life. I'm showing up for everything, my work, my marriage, uh, my friendships in a way I wasn't capable of before. And I also have this massive increase in energy and motivation and focus and mental clarity. And I've experienced this. I shared in the first episode that I've lost 170 pounds over the years. 
Um, and this took changing the way I eat multiple times. This has, I've changed the way I've exercised multiple times, changed the way I sleep, uh, the way I exercise, uh, the way I handle my stress, the way I approach my work, right? I've changed all these different things. And it's not like this has just added more and more and more work and more and more time commitment, right? Cause I've, I've adjusted all these things I was already doing to do them more effectively. But then also on the other hand, what I'm getting is a tremendous increase of energy. Uh, we used to just know my wife and I, that when I had dinner, my day was done, right? When I ate dinner, I got so tired afterwards that I couldn't do anything. So there were times where we literally ate a later dinner and did something before so that we could do something together, like take a walk. Um, but, but my body was so unhealthy that I couldn't even, uh, eat in a way that gave me energy, right? I had to, to take a, a rest after eating. Um, so as I've gotten healthier, now eating gives me energy. So after dinner, I can, I can read a book, I can take a walk, I can play a game. Um, I don't just have to sit on the couch and become a zombie, right? So in every area of our life, as we're healing, um, we're going to experience this growth of energy, this life. Um, and through it all, it's not just a net negative. We're not just spending and spending and spending and spending in self-improvement, but by being strategic and investing in the minimum effective dose, investing in the 20% that's going to get us 80% of the results, uh, what we can then experience is this increase of energy and focus throughout our whole life um, so that we can be the parent we always wanted to be, be the employee we always wanted to be. All right, let's recap. Our first lie, I need to make myself feel bad to grow. No, no, reality is the best teacher. We just need to remain open and present and attuned to what's actually there, whether it makes us feel good or bad, and then have a sense of wonder, this open-minded, studious curiosity about ourselves. The second lie, I just need to try harder. No, no, that's not true. Our, a lot of times our behaviors are the result of uh, decisions we've already made, the bad habits we already have, right? They're, they're the symptoms of the underlying brokenness in our heart. So a lot of times it's not just about trying harder. We need to heal to become the person that we're called to be. And in this healing, we, we shouldn't just expect God to, to jump in and supernaturally change everything immediately. No, he's going to bring us along a process, a healing and growth process where he's there, he's inspiring us, he's strengthening us. Um, but we are able to do what we want to do because we've become the kind of person uh, who can do those things, who is healed, and those behaviors come out and flow out of that place of integration of wholeness. And then the final lie is I don't have enough time. There's a lot of truth in that lie. We don't have enough time to do everything we want to do. But if we're really strategic, if we apply the Pareto principle, if we apply a mindset of the minimum effective dose, we can find as we can change just the 20% of our lives that's going to start this kind of snowball, this momentum in the right direction, this healing, this healing current in our life, that then on the other side, we're going to get a massive increase of energy and motivation and focus on the other end. 
Thanks for watching this episode of Physically Spiritual. If you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure to press the like button, subscribe to the Awakened Catholic YouTube channel, and turn on the bell notifications so that you can find out when new episodes are released. Also, it's super helpful if you could leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or your podcast player. At Awakened Catholic, we're dedicated to bringing people to truth through beauty. This show and all the shows here on Awakened Catholic are only possible because of people like you. You can become a part of what makes this all possible by making a tax-deductible donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee a week. To join the Awakened Nation, visit awakencatholic.org forward slash join.